0: This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Nicola McLeod, and this is Good Question PEI. I was going through our submitted questions, and this one jumped out at me. It's from Joseph Spreet in Montague. He wanted to know what's happening with basic income guarantee, the idea of making sure everyone has a livable amount of money in their bank account. There's been a lot of talk about a pilot project here on Prince Edward Island, and Joseph wants to know when it's going to happen. We've kicked this thing around for a long time now, and I sort of feel like at least we ought to go ahead. We have a lot of social programs, and none of it seems to address a lot of the poverty that exists in Canada. The inequity between the well-to-do and the people at the lower fringes of our society, something better than what we have should be available. I can't see anybody, you know, not being for a pilot project, especially if it's being cost shared by the federal provincial government. Why would anybody be against it? Good question, Joseph. And one I'm glad you asked, because there's actually a lot to dig into here. The PEI government actually says it is on board for going in on a pilot. Back in the fall, the premier raised it with the prime minister. But what would that actually look like and how would it work? We're joined today by the right person to ask. Trish Altas is with the PEI Advisory Council on the Status of Women. She also worked on the Cross Canada team that recently published a report outlining how a pilot would work here on the island. But you probably know Trish as a former MLA, where she also chaired the All Party Committee on Poverty and PEI, which got much of this started. Trish, thank you so much for being
1: here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad that this question was asked. So what goes through your mind as you listen to Joseph's question? Well, I think he uh, really makes some important points. You know, I mean, why would anybody be against this at this point? It's something that here on PEI we have been discussing for a very long time. Um, It really started with a grassroots movement. You know, the uh, Working Group for Livable Income here on Prince Edward Island has been working on this issue for many, many years, You know, since then, we've seen discussions in the legislature for many years. We've had motions passed by all parties. As you mentioned, the Special Committee on Poverty, you know, we've really seen that support grow here. And in terms of why wouldn't someone support it at this point, there's so much evidence to show it would make such a huge difference.
0: So let's start at the kind of the highest level.
1: What Is a basic income guarantee? Right. So, uh, you know, a basic income is an unconditional cash transfer paid to adult residents living in a family with income under a certain threshold. You know, what we've seen since the special committee report, which did some of that initial costing, is that this idea of PEI uh, being a demonstration site for a basic income has really grown across the country. There's increasing support. As you mentioned, I was able to be part of a project that I'm really proud of, a report that puts forward a a detailed model for what a basic income could look like on PEI for a demonstration project, and that report was a really interesting project. Uh, It was a collaborative process with economists, academics, activists, former public servants, and politicians from all political parties at both the federal and provincial levels engaged in this project. So we really have a report that not only shows the economics of it, it also is uh, politically responsible and something that all parties should be able to get behind. It can be a little
0: tricky to break down some of the numbers around this. People who are really interested should go check out this report, but I covered the announcement the day you unveiled that report back in the fall. The way we explained it at the time was that more people would get money from this program than you might think. So two adults living together would receive some money from that proposed program until they made about $54,000. Can you explain
1: how that all breaks down? Yeah. So that model was based on what came from the Special Committee on Poverty report. And the recommendation from that report was that a basic income should be at 85% of the market basket measure, which is the official poverty line in Canada. So In PEI, uh, you would be looking at the time of this report, uh, I I believe the numbers were from 2022, at uh, a basic income being 19,252 for a single adult or $27,227 for a family of two adults. So anyone who wasn't making at least that amount would be topped up to that amount. For those then who are earning income over and above that, it would be at a 50% reduction rate. So uh, you would still have an incentive to earn income up until uh, the amount of $38,504 for an individual, and as you mentioned, the $54,454 for a Family of two adults. So, really, we are seeing uh, many islanders who would benefit from this program.
0: You hear some critics say that, well, why would people work if, if the government's going to just give them
1: money? Uh, so what does the research show us yeah it's you know it's certainly a common concern that we hear about this we haven't seen those large numbers of people uh, that leave the workforce instead actually we see you know people who might choose to take some time out of the workforce to retrain to upskill which is actually very important uh, because we do have shortages in many areas where we require people to have a certain set of skills so we look at our sh- uh, labor shortages in construction industry for example we have a, a knowledge-based creative economy where our labor market is constantly evolving. So allowing people to have that flexibility uh, to feel comfortable enough to know that if they take that time to retrain, there will be an income floor below which they, they will not fall and they will be able to meet their and their family's basic needs is actually really important. We did see some groups who did take some time away from work. For example, young parents might be more likely to spend more time at home uh, when their babies are, are, are young. You might see young people taking more time to retrain before entering the labor market. But overall, those huge drops that people are so afraid of simply don't happen. Uh, Again, a basic income is just that. It is basic. It is, again, you know, 85% below the, the poverty line. It will make sure that everybody can meet their very basic needs. But... Quite honestly, most people want, you know, more than simply to meet their very, very basic needs. In the modelling, the uh, expected reduction in labour force participation for full-time workers, they expect it will be about half an hour uh, a week on average uh, is what we can expect, which is a very small impact. There's really, there's so much positive for, you know, something, a concern that really just hasn't been shown to be uh, valid it's so important to, to put yourself in the shoes of someone who is experiencing poverty and it's not hard to imagine that if you don't know if you're going to be able to pay your rent or put food on the table for your family or if you can't buy a comfortable pair of shoes you know, for the job that you're going to be standing all day long you know, these things actually have a significant impact on someone's ability to hold down a job and to be successful in the labour market it actually supports people to thrive and to 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 be able to maintain employment. Uh, It's a real positive all around. So let's start with the how. So where does the money come from and how does it get in people's bank accounts? So the the idea of the basic income program that's that's put forward in this report is that it, it would be, you know, an income-tested program. So like other similar uh, programs, the child tax benefit, for example, that is calculated strictly based on your income uh, when you file your taxes and, and you would receive that money through that system. So it would go directly into your bank account as other income-tested programs do. Who would pay for it? Well, this was actually a really important discussion um, in, you know, we had, as I mentioned, uh, not just a but politicians who are also looking through that lens of, of what really could be you know, possible and what would be something that is acceptable by the majority of Islanders, the costs would be incurred through uh, the many programs that are already existing. So, for example, um, social assistance, the cost of that program would be significantly reduced, quite obviously, by a basic income that would not replace it, because we actually do still need to have some immediate assistance available for folks who see a sudden change in their income. Because Again, this goes through the, the tax system, so it takes you know a year to to process and, and recalculate. so there would still need to be some support. Any uh, additional tax funding that would be required to pay for this would be the uh, top 20 percent of islanders who would see a very modest decrease in their after tax income. Really, the majority of islanders would benefit from uh, from this program. How do you get that top 20 percent on board? Well, I think we really have to take a step back and look at the larger impacts of a basic income for our society. You know, healthcare is one that we really have to take a look at. We know that we have a crisis in our healthcare system across the board that won't be solved tomorrow at this point. Uh, One of the ways that we could have a drastic and immediate impact on the cost of our healthcare system would be to do what we can to eliminate poverty. Poverty makes people sick. It is a cost for our healthcare system. More people who are low income have to access health care because they are low income, because of the stress of living day to day, of not being able to meet their basic needs, and the health impacts of not having access to healthy food or, you know, a, a suitable place to live. Like, these are significant impacts on people's health. That's just one example of the, the cost benefits for our society and why we should all be advocating for a program that eliminates poverty in, in our communities, in our, in our province. Part of uh, what would be evaluated in a demonstration project on on Prince Edward Island. And I I do want to stress that the evaluation for this project will be key and needs to be part of the project from the get go. It needs to be uh, a robust evaluation so that we do have the data to understand the impacts of this program and and how it works. Um, And that's something that we would be able to see quite clearly. But there's certainly very large expected impacts in, as I had mentioned, healthcare and our education system and educational outcomes for young young people, knowing that being in a family that's able to meet their basic needs is, has a, uh, would have a huge impact uh, for so many, uh, for so many uh, young Islanders and low-income families. Uh, so, you know, we would, uh, of course, see, you know, reduced costs directly in other areas too. So, for example, uh, student loans and student grants. So, you know, those are assessed based on income. So bringing up that income actually reduces the costs in those areas. There's so many ways that, that uh, our society would benefit overall.
0: Earlier, Trish, you had mentioned uh, social assistance. Mm -hmm. So last week, the province announced it was raising social assistance payments by 5% to keep up with rising costs. So that works out to about $25 more each month. Uh, Shelter rates are also going up by about $25. That will start on Friday. So an adult client on social assistance will now get $535 a month and $875 to pay their living. So those amounts increase depending on on whether you have children and and how many, but many advocates say that that isn't enough money to actually live on. Uh, One person that we reached out to was Regina Yunker. She's currently a social assistance client, Uh, and here's what she had to say.
2: I don't know. I think it's a joke. Even with the increases, still not getting enough to get our, our needs met. What really needs to happen is that the government really needs to look into, and they hear it all the time, this guaranteed annual income. It doesn't end social programs, but what it will do is it will give people like myself and a lot of my friends that little extra income to have fun. Um, Like, I don't have fun. By the end of the month, my check's gone. And that's with me working part-time. As soon as that check comes in on the 1st, it's gone on the second. There's just no extra income for enjoyment to go to the movies or whatever. I don't know how to put this except to say I'm getting help from them, What very minimal help. But in the same breath, they need to do more.
0: Trish, how many people do you meet that are like Regina?
2: You know,
1: I think it's really um, important that we think about those those day-to-day things that we take for granted, right? So I think about, you know, when my child is invited to a, a birthday party and I know that, you know, I'm going to buy a present for for the, the friend who they're going to the party. And and you know, I don't think twice about that, but for someone who is living um, on social assistance, who's living in poverty, that invite uh, can be the difference between, you know, being able to afford the medication that they need that week or buy the, the food they need to put on the table. You know, no one wants to be in the position to, to say, well, you can't go to the party because I can't buy a present for your friend. And unfortunately, the truth is that those are the types of choices that people living in poverty have to make. And when you think about the overall impact that has on someone's, you know, basic well-being, you know, we have said for years we have a mental health crisis in this province. Poverty is having a huge impact on that.
0: What does it do to you to hear her say, like, I don't have fun, like, that's not a part of my life?
1: You know, I really appreciate uh, her speaking up and and sharing her story. That's not easy for those who have not, who's been fortunate enough to not experience living with that sort of economic hardship. We don't uh, we don't realize, you know, the the this the impact it has on your basic day to day life. To say that you don't have fun, just how do you uh, move forward? You know, with all the things that happen in a day, when you, you can say that you you just you're not having. There's no positives to look forward to. Um, it's it's heartbreaking to hear and it doesn't have to happen we can eliminate poverty in this province and in this country it is absolutely possible and when we allow people to live with basic health and dignity no matter what I think we'll be amazed at at the results at what we see Islanders care about each other we do you know when someone in the community is is experiencing a serious health issue or has you know experienced a, a, a dramatic event we often see communities rallying together to to raise money and support those individuals, you know, we do care about our neighbors because we're, we're we're close-knit, we're connected. So I think that's one of the reasons why PEI is actually a great starting place. There are other reasons, though, why PEI is, is the ideal starting place for basic income in Canada. We are the smallest province, so it's very important to understand the interactions between the provincial government and provincial programs and the federal programs uh, for the federal government to be able to uh, demonstrate some of the Those interactions at the lowest cost possible because we are the smallest province. So that's that is a huge reason to choose PEI. Also, we have all-party support for basic income here. That's unique across the country, and it has been consistent support for many years now. So the federal government could feel confident in partnering with Prince Edward Island on this project, knowing that if there was a change in government, they would not see a, uh, a change in support for this program. Uh, that has been one of the biggest challenges for basic income pilot programs in previous years. It happened in Ontario very recently, you know, with in the past few years, when um, the Doug Ford government came in, the basic income pilot that had been started in Ontario was cancelled after a little over a year, which was not at all the plan for that pilot and a real lost opportunity. The MinCom experiment in the 70s is another example that was uh, interrupted by uh, changing government. So that won't happen here. What about in the rest of the country? Are people watching what PEI is doing Absolutely. It has been so exciting to see the support across the country grow. And in fact, we're actually seeing MPs from uh, different provinces, not from Princeton, Rhode Island, who are tabling petitions right now that are in support of PEI's basic income demonstration project. It's incredible to see what has started here at this grassroots movement on PEI and has, has grown in support, is, is really growing in support across the country. So, you know, we're not standing alone on this. We're the little island that could, yet again. Absolutely. I reached out to Minister Barbara
0: Ramsey's office. She's the Minister of Social Development. So uh, to get an update just on how those discussions with the federal government are going, uh, her office said uh, that they met with the federal minister, Suds, in December, uh, and Minister Suds indicated that PEI's request is still under consideration. Uh, but there was no other, other update. So why hesitancy? Why do you think the feds aren't just coming
1: on board? What's the holdup? You know, it's it's a great question. I mean, from a from a PEI perspective, I'm really proud of how far we've taken this as a province, and that we are really at the point where we have our government reaching out to the federal government in in a very serious way to uh, hopefully start negotiations for the basic income demonstration project on PEI. So there's a real opportunity for the federal government. My hope is that it's not hesitation. I mean, it is a big project to big project to undergo. It will require a lot of work behind the scenes to to move it forward. This report uh, really does give a strong foundation, but there will still be some things to negotiate uh, uh, at a government level, provincial to federal government. So I'm hoping that this is uh, simply just uh, that work being done behind the scenes and we will see progress soon. However, I do encourage people, if this is an issue that matters to you, let your uh, MLAs know, let the minister know, let the premier know that you care about basic income because we want it to be top of mind in all conversations that happen uh, between the provincial and federal government. Trish, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this important topic. And and, uh, again, I encourage Islanders, if basic income matters to you, let your politicians know.
0: You can find that report Trish worked on at gbireport.ca. And you can send your questions for future episodes to goodquestionpei at cbc.ca. We'll be back next Wednesday to dive into one of those. And if you haven't already, please follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts. It means our new drops will automatically show up in your feed. And it's helpful to us too. For Good Question PEI, I'm Nicola McLeod. See ya.